Welcome to the SaaS Savvy Lab podcast. We're bringing to you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Guy. He's the CEO over at Check. Uh, thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you grew up, and where Check really came from? Sure. So first of all, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Definitely. Um, so I started Check about a couple of years ago, uh, prior to that, I spent nearly a decade working for my government. I'm an Israeli and a proud one that I grew up, I was born and grew up uh, and lived my entire life in Tel Aviv. Um, and I was also coincidentally a nerd. Um, and, and typically, uh, nerds are, are pretty good at tech, or at least they're fascinated with it. And my story with tech started when I, I think I was maybe seven years old or, or thereabout. My dad brought home a fax machine, and it was the early 90s. And I was like, oh, oh my, what, what is that? What are there tiny people inside the fax machine doing? I mean, right. how does that work? <laughs> That's magic. It's impossible. So I had to dismantle the machine and 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 see if if there were small people inside it. And mm-hmm. so I dismantled it. And apparently, no, it's it's not small people. It's it's technology. Yeah. And I had to put it back up, and that kind of started my romance with dismantling things and putting them back up, which today is called hacking. Yeah. Um, and then when I was 18 years old, I uh, I. Uh, was dropped to the army and specifically I um, was a part of this um, training course called Command Alpiot, which trains uh, defense intelligence officers, especially within the technological units. And I spent about overall seven and a half to eight years working for the government. Um, and when I left, I, I, yeah, it, w- it was fascinating for me to see how the business world works. So I started a bunch of companies, mostly in the advertising space, because I really wanted to see how my kind of set of capabilities could contribute to that. Uh-huh. And uh, it went well. And then about, uh, uh, I think it was about three years ago, I started becoming fascinated with building a product for um, advertising, but that is focused on um, my field of expertise, my alma mater being, and 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 my team's alma mater being uh, predominantly natural language processing and cybersecurity, and the thread connecting the two being artificial intelligence. Okay. And then a little more than two years ago, we started Chat with the aim of uh, protecting the free internet concept, of sustaining that concept, of allowing advertisers, brands, agencies to to buy freely in the digital world without having to deal with you know, the different headaches, whether it's um, ad fraud or negative brand association mm-hmm. or poor viewability and so on and so forth. Very cool. Very, very cool. So seven years old, you started destroying a fax machine because you thought there were people in it. Then you went and worked for the government uh, when the army as well realized, you know, like you really had a passion for technology at this point. And now you're building a company around advertising security, essentially, that helps people like myself and my team and everyone else just become, you know, a better advertiser. And for the people that are seeing these ads to be like genuine, I guess, in a sense, uh, which is super, super cool. Now, what is like, 
You're welcome. What is the, the, the single biggest issue that you've come across while building the company, right? Like you're, you're an entrepreneur uh, and, and, and we, we come across these like headaches and, and hiccups all the time, right? Like what's the one that really like, it just came and hit you and, and it just put you like in a, in a weird place. That's the most difficult question for an entrepreneur because I have to put it in like just one. Seriously, yeah. just one. It's a, it's yeah. an uphill battle being a startup. I think <laughs> I think at the end of the day, the sent you could say that the sentence "No one's ever been fired for adopting an IBM solution" really sums it all. Yeah. Uh, you know we, we, the entire notion around startups or or kind of the, the, the main point about it is that you're trying to bring innovation and solve a problem that exists mm -hmm. and is being tackled by mega conglomerates. Mm -hmm. You can do it in a better way. Now you have to convince those potential clients that they should put their money on a horse that's a startup as opposed to, you know, Somebody that's the biggest forever. Sorry, exactly. And mm. maybe, maybe they've been doing it inefficiently, but, but they do have a track record and the ability to, 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 to scale and so on and so forth. And when you're starting, you know, I, I started um, bootstrapping. Uh, we've since raised three rounds of financing, but, uh, but when you start, it's an uphill battle. And I think that's the biggest challenge, convincing um, the potential clients to, to trust in you um, and and give you the opportunity to show them that that there is the capability of solving the problem that that is hurting them better. So, what is the value proposition, and how are you presenting this to your prospects slash your now clients? Right, like what is it that is making them go, "Oh, these guys are definitely better than the other conglomerate that is currently doing the same thing." Sure. So. I'm extremely respectful of, of, of the mega conglomerates that, that were here before me. And I think there are certain things that a startup could do being agile and, and learning from their mistakes, for, mm -hmm. for instance, and so on and so forth. And, um, and specifically in my field, I think it's, it's speed, it's accuracy, it's um, the ability to, to make the right, right decisions. And what I mean by that, is I'll give you an example. Currently, and for the last 10 years, in order for brands, in order to protect themselves from negative brand association, they've been using solutions that are revolving around keywords. Mm -hmm. So bad keywords, you know, would be excluded. Stuff like sex or you know. And right. um, then what 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 happened was that um, articles about Meghan Merkel, the Duchess of Sussex which includes the word sex in it, or LeBron James killed it in last night's game, or um, Gigi Hadid's new photo shoots. All of these were, were basically, you know, marked as non-brand safe because of the simplistic approaches out there. Right. What we did was we built a real neural network, um, NLP engine, a natural language processing engine that allows us to understand content in, in a similar fashion to how the human brain would understand content. Um, and that enables us to not make those mistakes, to only block the bad things, the real bad things, as opposed to LeBron James killed it last night. The second thing was um, on the fraud side, the ad fraud side is um, 
the companies were using again simplistic methods to decipher whether a user is a real human being or a bot. Simplistic methods include IP blacklist predominantly user agents and so on and so forth. But that's you know any cybersecurity expert would tell you that's not enough. Uh, in order to block fraud efficiently, in order to really decipher whether a user is a bot or not, um, you need to run hundreds and hundreds of JavaScript challenges, honeypots, um, and look at tons and tons of data in order to, to, to really understand and, and get a, a deterministic um, response. And the thing is, if you do that, then uh, you discover that the internet is really a bit cleaner than, than you thought when you were using uh -huh. simplistic methods. And Kind of ironically, this gives you uh, the ability to um, be protected and not compromise scale, mm -hmm. not hurt the publishers. Um, because, I mean, news publishers that are, are being blocked because of the examples that I gave earlier, that's a fundamental issue. And, and, and the advertiser being protected the right way with us, for instance, that allows the publisher to benefit as well. Um, so this is, I think these are the main differentiators. The fact that we took it to the next level, released 2.0 solutions, both in brand safety and in ad fraud, um, and enabled higher accuracy, mm -hmm. way higher accuracy. Very cool. Now let's talk a little bit more about the customers. What is your ideal slash dream customer that Czech likes to work with? So ideally, the brands and the agencies, um, we want to protect everyone that needs protection. Uh, we don't work with the, both sides of, of the advertising chain. So usually in advertising, we say there's supply and there's demand. The supply is typically the publishers and the demand is typically the advertisers being the agencies and the brands themselves. So whilst we want to help both sides, it's we don't believe in 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 charging for our services from from both sides. So what we do is we work with the supply side for free. We let them you know see the data and and, and everything that we can do for them. And, but we work for the demand side. We work for the advertisers and the agencies to protect them. And how do you find your clients or how do they find you? Them finding us is, you know, it, it, that's the dream of every company. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I think what, what really helped was that about uh, almost three years ago in January 2017, the chief branding officer, uh, Procter & Gamble, um, which obviously is one of the two biggest advertisers in the world now next to Samsung, and went out and said on stage at an IAB event that, um, you know, that's it. He's had enough. He wants a solution for brand safety, for fraud, for poor viewability, for all of the headaches of the online ecosystem. Um, and that kind of started a, a snowball effect of, of awareness uh, mm -hmm. to the importance of these topics. And we just happened to be there in the, in the right place uh, at the right time with the right technology. And, and that really catapulted us. Um, we've been able to release a lot of our, say, beliefs out there, whether it's research pieces that we've done and released to the press. And, and we've garnered a lot of, a lot of love um, from the professional press. 
um, about it. So a lot of clients came to us. Uh, in addition to that, in terms of prospecting, um, we're 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 pretty heavy on, um, on 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 getting there in front of the brand, and 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 even if it's a cold call or a cold email, and 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 explaining to him that uh, we can protect him. Very cool. Are you using any sort of paid advertising? We are. We are. Not a lot of it, but we are, and we're increasing it uh, next year, so in 2020, in a couple of months. Yeah. Um, we're using uh, a, lot of, a lot of direct response kind of methods, and so basically Google search, um, Facebook advertising, LinkedIn advertising. Mm -hmm. We are. That's really cool. What is... In, in your opinion, right? And I don't know, I mean, you're obviously in the advertising space, but how much experience have you actually had with like advertising as it is? I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but I guess like what is the, the, the single most important thing when it comes down to advertising, right? Is it, you know, creative? Is it targeting the right people? Is it having the right offer? I'm just a nerd who's really passionate about natural language processing and, and, and cybersecurity. So the, w these spaces, I think that uh, I, we could check it probably uh, kill any competitor dead in the water, but in questions to do with advertising, you know, we've got tons and tons of experience in the advertising world being that this is the ecosystem that we work with, but, right. um, but, but, but really saying, my opinion on 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 what's more important is 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 kind of uh, like my important my opinion doesn't really matter there. I I think that um, the world generally works in an equilibrium state and and kind of in the cycle, and I think that a lot of the things you know, for instance, brand safety became as I said earlier huge. Uh, almost three years ago, but mm -hmm. up until then, you know, advertisers didn't really think a lot about brand safety. Right. Um, and then I watched, coincidentally, a couple of weeks ago, an episode, an old episode of Mad Men, mm -hmm. where they depicted uh, something that happened in the fifties or the sixties, where CBS had a show on some and mentioned abortion in one of the episodes, and obviously this was back then a very yeah. And, and all the advertisers shied away from advertising there. So it's, there's like a cycle. And what I see in advertising currently is that um, there's a lot of emphasis now, again, on the creative as it was years and years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I think creative became, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's the real added value, the biggest added value that, that mm -hmm. agencies could put out there um yeah totally that's just that's just my opinion no yeah i i i agree too and, and especially with the last point that you made right with the creative being important because a lot of people like now you see all these platforms start you know pushing out more artificial intelligence and all this machine learning and essentially like at some point they're going to be able to do everything for you except the creative part, which is the interesting part. And, and, and you love NLP, which is really cool because I like, I like it and I like psychology. And I think that, you know, putting all of that to work at scale with advertising is really where it becomes a fun thing to do. And you can start seeing how like, you know, all these theories and hypotheses and everything actually like roll out and start to work the way they're supposed to work.
I completely agree. I think there are some things that like intent uh, for purchase or uh, data that um, are intrinsic to, to advertising and that are crucial. You know, if someone searches Google for um, what is the best uh, watch store in the tri-state area, then he's probably in market for buying a watch and I, it probably is the best platform that you could target him on. Mm -hmm. Or if, if, if someone's just purchased the TV on Amazon and Amazon knows that this, this just happened, then probably um, there is an advertising opportunity that's very um, interesting for a potential, I don't know, um, manufacturer of, of mounts, exactly. Yeah. And, and, but other than that, I really think it's all about the creative. Um, and it's where people actually get to differentiate again, right? Like exactly. If you see, if you see, you know, a TV or whatever, like it's the same thing. But when you, when, when they're able to portray it in a different way and actually make you feel something, that's when things kind of change. And, and really that's when, when I think advertising becomes fun. Exactly. You know, I remember an age where we would go to the cinema early so that we could actually see the commercials because the commercials in the cinema were hilarious and it was a part of the experience. So, yeah, so I see that coming back and I think it's crucial and, and, and interesting and never to be replaced by AI, hopefully part of, of that. Yeah, hopefully. Um, how, how important is culture? when building up a company right and especially i think you're in a good position to talk about this too because you mentioned to me earlier that now you have three different offices i think that's what you mentioned right uh you're currently in new york and you have a couple of uh, another two offices i think i saw one of them was in tokyo and i think the other one is going to be in tel aviv of course right so so you have those three offices how do you essentially like how, how do you keep culture the same around all three and how important do you think that is I think it's massively important and and it's also a difficult a, a difficult thing to maintain. I think um it's really crucial to have, you know, your town halls especially as the leadership uh, typically travels between the different offices. I think it's very crucial that um the policy setters or the leadership shows its face in the different offices, especially when you have geographic distribution around the world. And we're actually opening a few new offices next year um, throughout the world, which means my wife will will see me even less. Um, but I think it's a, I think it's 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 all about communication. Culture is massively important. It's massive. You know, I'm passionate about what I do. I honestly, and I I may be an idiot for 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 thinking that, but I'm actually, in my mind, I'm doing something extremely important for mankind. In my mind, I'm sustaining the free internet concept. Um, and I believe it with all my heart and soul. And I, I do think that having uh, the people who work with you um, share the same sentiment and share the same ideal and share the same passion is extremely important. Definitely. And in order to maintain this, you need to communicate it and you need to create a culture. I think, you know, Czech currently employs around 80 people uh, worldwide, I think. And um that's eight zero that's that it becomes a pretty big number we're not yet cool. <laughs> sorry that's a lot of people yeah fairly and um and 
and I think maintaining the same kind of DNA in terms of the passion and the ideals is, is a challenge that, that revolves around constantly communicating the messages and, and, and yeah, and you know, work hard, play hard, and have a lot of fun doing what you do. Love it. When it comes to a personal standpoint, I think you brought up something important um, as an entrepreneur, someone building the, the, the business, right? And, and you mentioned, you know, less time to spend with your wife as you have more offices and just traveling more. How do you find, you know, like work-life balance? Uh, and what does that mean to you? I don't know what you said. Work life. I've never heard of that concept. I, I honestly, <laughs> I think work-life balance is very important for some people. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. For me, I've got two things in my life. I've got Czech and I've got my family, my wife and daughter. Um, unfortunately, or well, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not good at balancing those two, but yeah. fortunately I have a family that, or a wife that understands me and gives me the tailwind that I need in order to succeed. I don't think it's possible, but that's just my opinion and I may be wrong and I may be naive, but I, for me, it's been very difficult to, to stop, to, to make a pause, to make a stop. I know great entrepreneurs who think the exact opposite for me, but for me, it's, it's about grind, grind, grind. It's about working 25 hours a day, eight days a week. There's always, it's, you know, it's my company and a bunch of VCs, but at the end of the day, it's my job to make sure that we built a company well, that, yeah. And they're, and they're looking at you too, right? Yeah, they are. They are. Thankfully, thankfully, they're they're currently happy with me. I think. But, but in in all seriousness, you know, there's always so much to do, and mm -hmm. it's so difficult to to. It's your company, so yeah, so difficult not to, and um, and in some cases, you're compelled to sleep or eat, yeah. but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, this journey of entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It's mm -hmm. a very difficult one. Definitely. You mentioned another thing again. You just keep, you just keep bringing them. Um, you said that the, there's a lot of things to do, right? What is your process for prioritization? Yeah. Um, so I've been doing this for quite a few years now. So um like even before check so so i think a lot of the things a lot of, the, of, of this process became kind of automated for me um but i work with a bunch of life hacks a bunch of tools that that um help me and i, I kind of built a funnel that would help me prioritize and would would save me time um i think at the end of the day it's all about product 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 mm -hmm. The job of the entrepreneur and the CEO obviously changes uh, with the life cycle of, of, of the company. At, at the beginning, you're everything. You're the salesman, you're the product guy, you're the dev, you're, at least in my case. Yeah. Later on, you need to focus on, on, on certain topics. And at the different stages of the company, it's different. At the stage we're in, I think it's a lot to do with um, business operations and, and and building the company properly in terms of HR, in terms of uh, roles and responsibilities, in terms of uh, measurement of performance and results and so on and so forth. Whereas at the beginning, you know, I was a dev and a salesman. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And um, uh, currently, but, but there's one thread connecting all of these priorities at all of the different stages of a company life cycle, and that's product. You know, if you've got an amazing product, no matter what they say, yeah, you need marketing, you need good people, you need good sales, you need this mm -hmm. and that, and product market fit, and so on and so forth. But, 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 but the product, unless it's perfect, keep uh, working. You don't have, yeah, keep, well, always keep working on yeah. it. But unless it's perfect, you don't have a reason to be. Um, it has to be per perfect from the get go. Um, and keep on improving from perfection right. onwards. So I think I think that's uh, my priority. But I also have a process revolving the different tools that I use, whether it's Asana, or whether it's um, Slack, or whether it's uh, different gadgets that I've put on my calendar, or whether it's uh, the superhuman. Um, it's literally its name, the the email client email. that I'm using. Yeah. I've been trying to get it, but I can't. I can send you an invite. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a button on my machine on my client that has refer on it, and I can refer anyone. Honestly, I've been uh, the email is kind of a fetish of mine, as it should be, I think, for everyone in in the field. And I've tried every every single one, and yeah. superhuman is just superhuman. It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's incredible. That's awesome. That's really cool. Now we're getting close to the end here, but essentially. There are a ton of really successful companies and you just named a few, right? That you love to use yourself, obviously. What is like, what company do you look up to? Which one inspires you to be that next big thing? It's a bit of a corny answer, unfortunately. And I wish I could give you a more creative <laughs> one, but, but I think Google, I okay. think Google is, and not just because of its size, more because of its impact. Mm -hmm. um, that has to do with more than its size. I think there's an, a lot of cynicism around certain things with Google and and and, and so on and so forth. But uh, I'm looking at the pure value proposition and the fact that they have a product. There has never been a better product market fit than Google Search. Never, never. There has never been a bigger product than, than Google search. There has never been something to impact well, other than maybe the wheel and fire and, and, <laughs> and discovering nuclear energy. Google search is probably the most important individually affecting product to have been released yeah. by innovation in the last, I don't know, million years. And yeah, there were search engines before, but there was yeah. no Google. And there wasn't anything as impactful. And I think I'm at, at awe of everything that uh, they release that makes our lives better. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. I've never had anyone give me that answer. And I think part of it is because we almost forget, you know, that, that it's there because it's such an integral part of everyone's life at this point. But I think you're spot, exactly. spot on. That's, that's amazing. Uh, do you have like, what, what is your, like, if you had one piece of advice for anyone that's building a product or, or building up a company, what would that be? So that, if this is somewhere where I actually have a non-corny answer, <laughs> it's, it's not just non-corny. It's all, almost pretentious and, and, and brush and, and mm -hmm. against everything that everyone keeps telling young entrepreneurs or, 
or up and comers and it's try try to avoid if you're if you've got conviction then don't ever take anyone else's advice or anyone else's cynicism or anyone else's no mm-hmm. um, if you think if if you as an entrepreneur think that this is the way you need to take and someone else says no I think you're making a mistake mm-hmm. If you're still convinced that this that that this is the way you need to take head on you go that completely, way completely disregard uh-huh. i've unfortunately all of the mistakes that I've done as an entrepreneur were in cases where I thought we should go there i've got i I received an advice to go there and I listened to that advice against my better judgment and it turned out to be bad yeah and and um Trust your own judgment. I mean, tons of haters and naysayers out there. If you've got conviction, that's all it takes. Conviction, awesome. persistence. Yeah. Awesome. Great. And uh, where can people find you online, Guy? Where can people find me online? Yeah. Uh, it's very difficult because I'm in cybersecurity and I don't want to be fine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so I'm out there, basically mostly through the blog and the check site. Okay. Uh, it's cheq.ai. Very cool. Perfect. And last question here. Do you have any questions for me? How is it for you to be an entrepreneur? Do you feel that some of the things that I said has oh, yeah. resonated with? Yeah, 100%. I, I think everyone that listens to this and is in that position is going to resonate, right? Like every day, like there's something new. Uh, you got to figure something else out. Uh, you're kind of scared and, and then you're proud and it's just like a roller coaster of emotions and you never know what's going to happen next. But at the end of the day, like you're, you're lucky, right. That, that you have the ability to be doing what you're doing. And I think that's, what's important. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> that freedom, that freedom to create is definitely. sweeter than anything else. Oh yeah. 100%. And, it's definitely worth it. Right. Like everything that you go through, but then, you know, like this is what, like I, you could give me whatever option, but I'm going to take this one regardless. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Guy, for being on here. It was really a pleasure having you. Super fun interview. Um, you can find the interview on podcasts, on pretty much any streaming platform. If you have a YouTube channel, subscribe to it. Um, but thank you so much for being on here today. Uh, and we'll catch you soon. Thank you so much, Luis. Have a great one. Thanks Take for having me. Bye-bye.